Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome to this week's edition of Woodman Corner, the West Bromwich Albion podcast that is slightly tiring of Alan Pardew now. Uh, I'm Graham Brown. I'm here with uh, with West Midlands football royalty in the shape of uh, football editor Matt Kendrick. How are you doing, mate? Hello, Graham. I think you've been a bit harsh on that, that Alan Pardew fella. Seems like a nice enough guy to me. But... I, I would uh, I would happily swap him with Alan for Alan Partridge at any point whatsoever. <laughs> so um, so we're going to be doing uh, our normal trick of trying not to dwell too much on the horror show that is the Albion at the moment. So I've got an interview coming up later on with uh, with a football agent talking about how um, how Albion do deals and that sort of thing. He's also Jay Rodriguez's agent, so he's got some interesting things to say about Jay and where he might be next season and that sort of thing. But first, first thing is we've got uh, you know, no. Since I can't talk, and we have Matt Kendrick here, I thought we'd talk about uh, about Paul Sharner's um, words that come out this week about talking about how um, Pulis ripped the heart and soul out of the Albion. What do you reckon, Matt? Is Paul Sharner right? Far be it from me to question <laughs> question Paul Sharner. Um, I don't know. It's, it's still Pulis. How long has he been gone now? Four months. Yeah, three months, right. four months, and he still polarised opinion. Um, I don't know. I think it's kind of half Tony Pulis and half the Premier League that has ripped the heart and soul out of West Bromwich Albion because I think I think it can have that effect on you when you're in the Premier League and you're just thinking, what are we trying to be? What are we? What's our identity? Pulis, to his credit, is credit the right word, at least gave Albion an identity. Yeah. It might not have been one that was... Uh, A staying in the Premier League identity. Well, that was it, yeah. So... Uh, I don't know. I think Sean. It's been interesting watching Shana's movements in the last couple of weeks because he's he's seemingly angling for um, some kind of role at West Bromwich Albion. I'm not sure it'd be the, in the uh, in the dugout. Maybe it'd be a, a PR kind of role. But yeah, I think I think he's playing to the galleries a little bit by slagging off Pulis. But why not? He's gone. I, I, th- I think I think exactly that. It's, it's a kind of popular thing to do. Um, I mean, I've seen the response to social, on, on social media about this, and to be honest, it was populist and it's hardly surprising that you've got people on social media coming out and agreeing with him. What I would say is that what they're overlooking is that um, that that Pulis replaced uh, Alan Irving. He didn't. He, you know, he didn't replace Roy Hodgson. So so he came along at a time when Albion were a terrifically low ebb. And to be honest, a lot of the people now who are slagging off Tony Pulis at the time would do anything to stay in the Premier League. Well, Tony Pulis is doing anything to stay in the stay in the Premier League. So to be honest, I haven't got a lot of time for the things that Sean has said. I mean, I think the fundamentals of it are right. You know that that, that we kind of stopped playing football, but we we were, we were playing football all the way down to the Championship when he got there. So I do think. Um, I do think it's kind of time to, uh, to to maybe ease off a little bit on the on the Pulis mantra. But while while I'm throwing uh, throwing rockets at you, where do you reckon Albion would be now if Tony Pulis was still there? Probably one place above <laughs> one place above where they are and five points better off potentially. Um, yeah, I think they'd still be destined. I think it was I think it was Albion's time. I think it just it seems to have kind of snowballed from what seemed to be a productive August window last summer. And it's just kind of, I don't know, it's just got that stench of, of, of decline anyway. 
I, th- I think you might be right. I, 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 I think Pulis is, is, is a capable manager, but I think, I think it, it kind of come to an end. What I will keep saying is that there's no point in sacking a football manager if you haven't got a better one to come in. And emphatically, uh, Alan Pardew wasn't a better one. Can you think of, uh, of, of anything positive to say about the things that Pardew have brought to Albion? I'm, I'm glad you responded that way because that segues me next to, na- now to our, to our weekly um, segment of our podcast. This is everything that we like about Alan Pardew. Okay, so more of that next week. Uh, now we're going to move on to uh, to this week's interview. I've been speaking to Gary Meller, who is uh, who's a partner at Beswick's Legal and is also a uh, a football agent for many players, Jack Butland uh, and Jay Rodriguez among them. Uh, started off by talking to him about how things were at Jack with Jay at the moment, but if you listen further on, he talks about some interesting things about pulling out of deals because the players are so grubby and uh, and other sorts of things. So uh, so hope you enjoy it. So thank you ever so much for uh, for joining us, Gary. Um, so can I, can I start off by talking about uh, about Jay Rodriguez? You were the agent yes. who brought him to to the album. Can you uh, kind of talk me through that process, how it started and, and where it went? Yeah, I mean, Jay obviously had a phenomenal season under Maurizio Pochettino. Uh, he was the top English goal scorer in the in the Premier League at the time. He got injured at Manchester City. Yeah. Uh, we had it on good authority he was going to go to the last World Cup. And then obviously he did his cruciate, which was uh, horrendous. He had some complications in in terms of the fact that uh, he had an infection which kept him out longer than than anticipated. Um, frustratingly, obviously, change of manager at Southampton. He had Ronald Koeman and Claude Puel, who didn't yeah. know him. He wanted to get back to playing regular football and wasn't getting that at Southampton. Uh, West Bromwich Albion actually came in for him 12 months before he joined West Bromwich Albion. Oh, really? I think one of the reasons that he chose and was, was keen on West Brom was that they showed that they were uh, interested for a substantial period of time. Mm-hmm. They, they weren't the only ones. There were five teams that came the summer before, all Premier League teams. And then when Southampton, eventually after a full season of us lobbying to allow him to go, um, Jay had a decision to make. And whereas before Southampton were adamant he couldn't go anywhere, he went, um, uh, I won't say they didn't, they didn't really want him to go, but the buddy was popular at Southampton because he always did his work, he never sulked, yeah. he got on with it, he played wherever they wanted him to play, he was very popular, and still very popular there. We had the choice of nine or ten Premier League clubs, and uh, I think West Brom's pursuit of him over the previous 12 months had played a big part in his decision to go to West Bromwich Albion. Yeah. And I think he... he he was attracted also by the fact that he wanted to play for a British manager, having had um, two managers that maybe didn't communicate with him as to why he wasn't playing, why he wasn't being given a chance. Mm-hmm. And you did have two managers who came in who wanted to win games, I guess. So they're not going to try and get someone fit for a bit of long-standing injury and have them cost, it, cost them games. Yeah, they, they don't have the long-term view on it because they've got to keep their jobs. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that... West Brom has been a great club for, for Jay because one thing Tony Pulis did do was get players fit. Uh, I realise he's got his critics at West Bromwich Albion, but his pre-seasons are notorious. Mm-hmm. And Jay came into the season showing that he was fit, if ever there was a question mark against that. And he willingly played in you know for both managers this season in a variety of positions. He's, yeah. He sacrificed his personal goals for the good of the team, and I think that's why people like him. So, so can you walk us through like, the, the, kind of what it's like to be an agent, maybe using Jay as an example. Yeah. So, so, so how did you first come to know of 
the Albion and other clubs' um, involvement. Who, who is it that you, you deal with? What, what are the next steps and so on? Well, with West Bromwich Albion particularly, and you know, not disclosing any trade secrets, but um, I had conversations with Les Reed prior, the year prior to when um, Jay signed for West Brom. Mm-hmm. And we had a conversation and um, he told me that he was happy for him to go on a, on a short-term loan to go and get games, but only to a, a certain number of Premier League teams. I then proactively picked up the phone, spoke to Tony Pulis, Richard Garlick, Nick Hammond, spoke to all three to say, I'm trying to get Jay Rodriguez out. Are you? A, or is he of any interest to you? And they said yes. All the clubs I spoke to about Jay wanted him, which was testament to his, um, you know, his reputation. Um, he then played against, I think it was uh, Sunderland, and scored, and then play, and, and they changed their mind. Yes, which was, uh, which did, I mean, he went on and scored a couple of goals against Bournemouth, and not too soon afterwards. But it didn't didn't help us in terms of him getting regular football. Southampton had a lot of attacking players at the time, and he just wasn't getting the football that he needed to get himself match fit. Mm-hmm. So twelve months later, we looked at the season he just had. He'd actually scored, I can't remember the exact numbers, but something like eight goals in 14 starts or something. He got lot, lots of substitute appearances, five minutes here, ten minutes there, and people yeah. look at the appearances. But when you look at the goals he scored in that season against starts, it was a really good season. So then when it came to the summer afterwards, we had 10 or 11 clubs that were really interested in, in him. Some of those would be clubs that promoted to the Premier League, others are you know, uh, clubs that he'd played for before. And there was interest from... from you had a good choice. So we met with four or five of those teams, but uh, Jay had been allowed to sit down with West Brom 12 months prior, had spoken to players in the, in the dressing room, and uh, there are players like Shane Long at Southampton, who was close to, talked about what a great dressing room West Brom had. Oh, yeah. So that played a big part in his decision as well. So I think he was, he was looking forward to the season. Obviously, it's not worked out how anyone anticipated uh, I think he's got nine goals, which for the games he's played is unusual because he normally scores more if the starts. But I, I don't think he regrets that decision in any way, shape or form. So where's, where is he now? Obviously, the, the, uh, the, we expect a big turnover for players on the basis that they'll be getting relegated. And for the purposes of this, I expect they will. Um, uh, is Jay going to be in Albion playing next year? Well, he's not spoken to me about looking to leave. I mean, we'll sit and assess the situation in the summer. Um I think that obviously West Bromwich Albion is contracted for another three years. Uh, West Bromwich Albion have a big say in that. Obviously, he, he started and scored the weekend, but, yes. the, se- but the week be- weekend before he didn't start. So uh, it may be that West Bromwich Albion might want to move him out. We don't know. Uh, we've not had that conversation yet. And I think that every player's agent will be having conversations with West Bromwich Albion when the season's done and dusted as to what the club's plans are. And... Uh, Jay's, Jay's very much uh, probably one of the nicest guys in football. He just gets on with his job. Mm-hmm. And as you'll see from the... I mean, he's played on the right, he's played on the left, he's played as number 10, he's played up front on his own, he's played up front in the two. He'll do whatever he's required to do. I think he's even had some games in midfield. Yes. And, you know, you'll see that he'll do the... the you know, I mean, the Liverpool game in the Cup when he scored the two goals, but then he ended up playing almost like a defensive midfield yeah. role. Shows his, his adaptability and flexibility, and that's always, you know... 
people will want players like that with the right attitude. I think he's one of the one of the uh, players that uh, he's certainly not one of the players that Albi fans are kind of getting over themselves to kind of get out out, out of interest. Then, so, so you're in terms of kind of negotiating with clubs, and we're not, not yes. talking about Jay now, just just in general. Just interested in in, in in the kind of complexities of that. So, so, so things like contract length. Who wants longer contracts and who wants shorter contracts? Clauses. What What are you after when you're when you're representing a player and when you're not? What, what, how do you think differently uh, yeah, for different players? Well, the reality is that some players will want security, and other players will back themselves to have a shorter contract because that gives them the strength. Yeah. Now the reality is West Bromwich Island may want to may well have wanted more years than we were prepared to sign for because they'd paid a significant sum of money. So obviously they've made an investment. Yeah. And there's only a resale value if they've got a number of years left on a contract. Yes. So the club will want if they want to sign a player for a specific period of time and he's cost them a substantial sum of money, they may want at least two years left on a contract to be able to, to get the value yeah. on a resale. So they're signing an asset <clears throat> for a player that I have, depending on age, you want them. You don't want to sign for too long on a certain contract because you've got to look at when you're going to be renegotiating. You want to be renegotiating at a good time when they're at a good age and they're probably at the peak. Yeah. And also, if you sign for too long, obviously, you know, if things don't work out, you, you're at the... Uh, as as the J at Southampton, you know, we had a number of years left on the contract. We wanted to go 12 months prior and, and we weren't allowed to. So is it, re- is it more often clubs that want longer-term... Deals and players want shorter term. Quite often, yeah. I would say the balance is more in that direction. But it depends on. Look, at the end of the day, there are four divisions. We work in all four divisions, and there's some players who have in League One, League Two, do want the security, yeah, for their families. Uh, and people don't want to be moving their families. You know, you know, you've got children; they go to schools. You don't want to move the length and breadth of the country when you've got people of you know keep moving your family around because that's not healthy. However, um, the higher up you go means that you probably you have a bit more power, a bit more strength, because if you're a Premier League football, you've got there because of your ability. Mm-hmm. So you, have, you would hope that you're marketable, so you want to make the most of that short period of time, because when you finish, it gives you more options. Although it's interesting to that end, actually, and forgive me, but I'm bouncing back uh, to, to, to the point that jumped in my head before. And all the time you're talking about the things that Rodriguez was doing in the nine or ten different clubs who's interested in that sort of thing, you never actually mentioned money. Is that different at the top level? Is that because Rodriguez knows, relatively speaking, he's going to be kind of going to be well paid, and he's is money an issue for Premier League players? Or is it almost like they've got so much it doesn't matter? I think it depends on the personalities. Yeah. I think that we, um, we're lucky at Bedford because we've got players like Jay Rodriguez, Jack Butland. Money's never at the forefront of their mind. It's about their career. Mm-hmm. Jay Rodriguez wants to play, first and foremost. And secondly, he wants to, to improve. And even He's 27, but he still wants to improve. He still thinks he's got things to learn. Yeah. And I think that um, you know he had the opportunity to go to... With all due respect to West Bromwich, I'm probably bigger clubs yeah. who would be competing in Europe, but that would have come at a, at a cost maybe where you know he wanted to go somewhere, he felt that he got the chance to play every weekend, it was going to give them a chance, and um, that hasn't quite worked out. He's obviously, he's, he's obviously last weekend he wasn't selected, um, this weekend he was, but he wants he to be somewhere. Well, hopefully he'll play next weekend, but <laughs> whatever the next game is, international break next weekend, but. To, you know, he had a situation at one time when he was even talked about getting back in the England team. Yeah. And, you know, the bigger Champions League teams have talked to us about Jay Rodriguez over the last couple of years because they see he has the flexibility to play all across the front. 
but that might not necessarily be the best thing for Jay Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, you, you get player, you know, Phil Neville's one of the ones that often throw it out there is it ne- never really um, hammered down a position. You can be too useful, can't you? Yeah. Um, so, the, so to, to, to come back to that, that's one of the things I wanted to, to, uh, to kind of to ask. We talked about um, contract length and that. What are the sorts of clauses that clubs tend to want? What are the sort of clauses that players tend to want? Again, it's, it's, when you're having the conversation, it depends who's got the power. I mean, the, the, to a degree, we had a certain amount of uh, uh, strength dealing with West Bromwich Albion for Jay Rodriguez because he had so many football clubs that were interested in taking him on. Yeah. Now, doesn't mean we got everything we wanted because obviously West Bromwich Albion, I think, is, uh, you know, Richard Garlic, a very experienced negotiator, been in the game a long time. Yeah. He knows what, uh, what he wants to give away and not give away. But also, you, you may find under the new ownership there are certain clauses that they won't give that the previous ownership would. Yeah. And they'll want to set precedents. Um, so that's an important thing as well because you can give a clause to one player that other players haven't got, and that can cause issues. The um, yes, I, I, I can. I, I, I was thinking this on the, on the drive up actually. That it, is that? It, it, do, do you kind of get that with clubs where, where they kind of routinely do because they don't want to imbalance the the dressing room by bringing in one player who doesn't have a relegation clause and everyone else does? Yes. So I you have to follow follow that line. But also, you know, the previous the previous ownership may well have given certain clauses because it suited them. Yeah, the new ownership they think we're not going to do that, and um, you know I think that everybody's got their own business plan. Everyone puts their own people in place who have their own ideas about the way a club should be run. One chief executive won't run a football club the same as another one, and different chief executives at different Premier League football clubs have different skill sets. Some will be very focused on the footballing side, mm-hmm. others will be more focused on the finance and commercial side. So. At West Brom, there's a, there's a team of individuals that have got a lot of experience in, in football and um, you know they'll have a budget. They'll want to get the most they can get from that budget and they'll want to standardise the clauses. Now, having been a change of ownership, some of, the, um, some of the, their approach may have changed because that's just, that's just human nature. Yeah. You bring new business decision makers and they'll have different ideas, won't they? What... Um... So what what are the uh, I, I I sense from the fact you know this is a we're sat here in a uh, in a law firm's office you've got kind of good honest pros that are your um, that are your staff that you're probably at the more right you know, kind of conservative end of the market possibly you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would definitely say so yeah but even within that area I, I guess it, it's an interesting area this I guess one of the things that what, that fans are kind of interested in is when kind of contact happens I guess I'm thinking about the area of tapping up. Yeah. I, 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 how, how big an issue is the red lines for you and, 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 where, and, and who you are and aren't allowed to talk to and stuff? Well, it's, like, it's like everything else. There will be people, people right now, when they look at West Bromwich Albion, there'll be clubs in the Premier League who will look at certain players in that dressing room and think they can do a job for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, they will start ringing around to see if it's possible. Because that's, you know, in a West Bromwich Albion will now be looking at a plan A and a plan B. Plan A is if they stay in the Premier League, plan B one for a championship team. What's our budget and what are we gonna who are we looking to sign? Yeah. Who's gonna get us back into the Premier League? Everyone will be doing that now. Everyone will have a plan A and a plan B. And you know, football clubs will complain about tapping up, but also they'll all do it. Yes. So it, the reality is that, you know, it, there are people in glass houses throwing stones all the time. They don't like it when it happens to them, but they're always at it. So, yeah, and if they don't, they're going to lose an advantage. Yes, yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, they've got to kind of be competitive. So, so you've dealt with Albion over over several years. 
are, are they noticeably? Do, I always think Jeremy Peace was kind of the the extreme that drove Albion to where they are now. You had Gary Megson, and then Peace kind of pushed it, and, it, and he was extreme in the way that, like, I mean, some of the deals he's done in the past. I think like Nathan Ellington, who basically stopped playing for us, and yet he negotiated a bigger fee than, than we sold him for from memory, and so on. He was such a, I would imagine, difficult person to negotiate with. I mean, is that, is that actually panned out? Is this? Were Albion easier to deal with now than they used to be? No, I don't think that. I think the people, there's still people there that have got those core principles. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Mark Jenkins has gone back into the football club. And Garlick was spanned both, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I remember taking James O'Connor out to uh, Burnley at the time after when Brian Robson was the manager. And it was one of the most difficult deals that, that, that you could ever do uh, because, you know, he'd, he'd tell you what it was and then turn his phone off. So yeah. That was. Um, and the reality is, I, I've never quite understood that because I think everything's about relationships, everything's about discussion, and, and any, any negotiation, each side should suffer a little bit of pain, but each side should get what they want. Yeah. And I think that's, and I don't think that's such a difficult balance to achieve, to be honest, if you're reasonable. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, if a football club gets relegated, like Birmingham City did recently out of the Premier League a few years ago, and Aston Villa have. You know, you, you, you've got to make some room on your wage bill. Now, you can guarantee there won't be many players in that dressing room that think it's their fault they got relegated. Yeah. They'll all think they've pulled their, their, played their part. So, and they'll all want to protect their income for the families and for themselves for when they have to retire. So there's going to be a, a lot of work to do. And, and I think that you do need strong leadership to decide, right, Yes, you can go. No, they can't. Mm-hmm. Some of that will be down to length of contract. Some of that will be down to how much they can actually recoup uh, in terms of that they can then probably use to replenish the squad, yeah. I guess. What are the biggest frustrations for you then as, as an agent? What are the things that, that most routinely annoy you? And if there's something you'd change, you would? I think that um, look, the reality is there wouldn't be a need for agents if football clubs did their job. Uh, honestly, and I say that with respect because I think that you, they will always try and get a player on the cheapest possible salary that they can. Yes. So therefore, they can get more out of their budget. I get that, and I think that you know one of the biggest bugbears for me is that if you have a player that comes through from the academy, a local player, quite often they will never have the same level of salary as someone they bought in at the same age who probably hasn't played as much from some, for another football club. Yeah. That's the thing that annoys me. Yeah, I, I, I do a lot of work in America in, in Major League Soccer and I think Major League Soccer with the cap and all the salaries get, get published so everybody knows what everybody's on I'm not suggesting that's a good thing but I also think there has to be a bit more of an understanding that uh, more of a level playing field Yeah, because I think that people everyone's trying to take advantage of each other but you're talking about an environment I guess where um, where the uh, the most honest will earn the least unless unless agents are involved. I guess I think that people need you know players need looking after. Else people will take advantage of them yeah. because the, the, the people in football clubs are experienced negotiators, experienced businessmen, and sometimes you deal with eighteen, nineteen, twenty year old lads who who've been who are very good at football. But doesn't mean they're good at negotiating. So, I have a theory that football managers all think the the best manager, the best coach, the best negotiator, and the best scout. The reality <laughs> is. I haven't found one that's good at all for. <laughs> no. So what's it? So, so I, I should ask you about that. So, so you're you're a representative of of players and and regular listeners to this podcast. I know I'm always going on about money. Um, what's it like managing sort of your wealthy young men in their twenties? I say managing, but you know, kind of look after them. Do, do, do you 
do you have to get invited? Do you get dragged into weird things and that sort of thing? Are you, are you having to bail them out of jail and that kind of thing? We've had some issues historically. I think we've got a good client list at the moment. I think that uh, we are a, a sports management company that's foundation is based out of the law firm. So I think we've got, we do things probably a little bit differently than most. I would like to think so. Uh, I think that you end up with, with players whose personalities mirror the way that you do your business. Yeah. So that's helpful. Uh, we've had certain players that we where it just hasn't worked, and we've actually had a conversation with them saying we're not for you. It and this be is wrong. because because they were they were you didn't well, didn't like them, but they, yeah, that that, that for, on a personality basis, they were they were into stuff that you were you didn't you didn't want to have to defend. Well, I think that every every football player, whether he's a League Two player at Notts County or a Premier League player at West Bromwich Albion or a Championship player at Birmingham City, is it really their own little business? So what I, what we always say is we try and build a business plan around that player and look at like targets and you know and they've got to buy into that and if really if their only interest is to win enough money to go out every night and have fun then that's not really for us yeah so you know and people will laugh at that sometimes and say well you can't turn a player away because of that but I've you know I've had players where I've actually got them a move and negotiated a deal that I've pulled out of and let someone else go and do it because I didn't feel that they were entering. It would, I thought it would impact badly on us. And when you get paid an agent's fee, you get paid that fee during the course of the season, you're being paid to manage that player, really. It's yeah. like a management fee. And if that player is going to be causing you problems, or it's just not worth it. I'd rather put the time and effort into someone that wants to, to move forward and to have a proper career. So this is literally... what. So... so so, so, so what you're saying is that you know, a player who's doing it for the wrong motivations or the club that's doing it for the wrong motivations and you didn't want to be involved with that because you knew it was, a, it was in, e- in essence a retrograde step for their career or just more about the fact they probably weren't going to take it seriously yeah you know, I think it was more you didn't want to be accountable for how poor they were going to be at that club it was more about the money and the lifestyle I could see issues were going to you know uh, issues were going to, during that three or four year period of the contract you knew that things were going to there were going to be issues because they weren't approaching it it wasn't about the football and I think that you know, this that can only that lifespan can only can only be very short. That's interesting, and, and that's because what you do, you, you want you want all the managers to take your calls. So, 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 so you want to be you, you want people to think that when they're dealing with Gary Miller, yes. that the odds are the player they're, yeah. that they're getting will, will do. Will, yeah, do if I sit down with Richard Garlick and tell him Jay Rodriguez is one of the nicest lads in football, and he'll play wherever you want him to, and he'll always put a shift in, yeah. and he'll never cause you a moment's ish problem. I know that we've had this issue recently with the FA, which. I'd, I'd better reserve comment on that at the yes. moment, but I, you know, anyone that knows Jay knows that's 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 not in Jay's nature. And what you get with Jay Rodriguez, you get someone who comes into a football club and gives you absolutely everything, every minute of every day, and wants to get better, wants the football club to do well. And I know with these results that you know it's really impacting on him. He, he suffers like the fans suffer. Yeah. That's the sort of players you want as yeah. part of your brand. So that if someone speaks, to, I know there are lots of managers in the lower divisions that will pick up the phone and say to us have you got a right back we could take a loan or a centre back and we'll give them an honest assessment to that personality so what I don't want as a player I'm going to say don't take this player because he's going to cause you problems because that will impact on my credibility for the other 100 players we have yeah that's what I'm saying yeah so you I have to believe in the players that they're going they want a career they want to do well and they want to make a difference so have you ever said to a manager when you're representing a player look you know 
he's got some talent, but he might he might well turn up drunk the next day or something. If he, yeah. I, I have said to people, he's not for you, yes. Oh, really? Yeah, I would go as far as to say he might turn up drunk and yes. saying, but I would say, I don't think this one's this, for you. This is the difference between you and I. I I'm, I'm a flowery journalist who says things yeah. like, might turn up drunk. You're a, you're a lawyer, so it's a year. <laughs> so I can ask about transfer deadline now. What's transfer deadline day like for uh, horrendous, you? Horrendous, horrendous. You know, it really is. I don't agree with the... Um, the transfer window system. I, I, I like the fact that they're going to cut it off before the season starts because I think last last August was unhealthy with the Coutinho's and the Johnny Evans or West Brom, all those situations. They're not good for the football club, are they, really, when you're yeah. starting your season? And I think that, you know, I mean, we've been to... I mean, I remember doing Wade Elliott to Birmingham City from Burnley and we, it was conditional upon Cameron Jerome going to Stoke because Birmingham City wouldn't have the money. We had Wade Elliott here halfway to Birmingham and then travelling down to Birmingham and doing it with two minutes to spare, you know, and, and things like that. I just, it's illogical, really. Are you, when you say doing it, I, I assume what that means is that everything is panned out and has been done for weeks, and it's when no. it's just no. so, so a, a deals yeah. really negotiate with two minutes to go. Yeah, well, we were sitting, you know, I mean, Birmingham City could not do the deal. Chris Hutton really wanted the player, and they were talking, and Wade thought that. Um, that he was done and dusted, and, he was, and Chris Hutton was showing around. I'm sitting with Joe, getting calls from Stoke City saying there'd been problems with the Cameron Jerome deal, and I knew if that fell through, that the Wade Elliott deal would go through, he'd have to drive back up to Burnley and stay at Burnley Football Club. But you can't negotiate a player's contract in half an hour, can you? You, you know what you want, and the, and the club have got to, you know, I mean, Julia at Birmingham City is very experienced as well. She's, she, you know, she's a. She has years of experience, she knows exactly what her budget is, she knows what she can do. And, and we, we'd, we were having conversations all throughout the, de- the day about, we had an idea where it was looking at the, the main parts of it, which is really the, you know, the money and then other clauses. But we were, we were, we were agreeing things that were going on the fax machine. <laughs> It's uh, crazy. It's, it's, I, I always thought Transcendent was a bit of a front, really. There's, there's, there's notionally 500 deals in theory done and maybe 50 of them will go for one transfer deadline day. No. It, it really is a thrash of, well, of people that say, this is what I learned, and, 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 and a whole protracted negotiation happening in half an hour to get, get through. Well, West Bromwich Albion have always been one of the, the better clubs for the, the, the work that they do in terms of looking and scouting for players and, and having their list. But every football club has got to have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C. Mm-hmm. There's no point in thinking, you know, last, we've talked about Jay Rodriguez and the options he had last summer. For every football club that didn't sign a Jay Rodriguez, they've got to then have a, yeah, a backup because they still need a striker. Yeah. So, and what you don't want to do is to get to Plan E, I guess. Or as they call it at Albion, Hal Robson Carney. But I won't, I won't expect you <laughs> to, to, to comment on that. Um, so, so if you think about the last transfer deadline day, tell me what it's like for you. When did your phone go off first? When did it go off last? Where were you? Well, I mean, this January one was different. I mean, we did a lot early. Um, you know, we did people like Louis Morgan to Celtic and a few others very early on. So that was that was you know you can't do those sorts of deals on January the first, second, third without being well into yeah. And the, and you know then we did do one where we were working for a football club that took the last two days up of the transfer window. It was really there were, there were lots of games going on, and the and the particular Premier League football club were playing a game and we were still doing the deal. It didn't get finished till half time. So the manager would have been out there not knowing if he got this new this new player or not, and that's 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 um, not helpful. This only just jumped into my mind when you said this, but do it do it clubs ever try and spoil transfers? So 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 for example, um, yeah, you ha- you you represent player X and uh, I think of two equivalent teams, um, Southampton won him, 
but then I'm going to say Stoke because they're too close but a, but a club in the second same round Burnley coming pretend to want to buy him in the last minute pull out so that Southampton can't buy him I think they certainly that, that could happen on occasions I think that that will happen more I don't think they'll waste everybody's time with that because that'll soon that, yeah, because they'll they'll end up with people not taking them seriously. But the reality is, if you're going for a plan A and you can see someone else going for your plan B, you're certainly going to start negotiating with the football club. I've known football clubs be in negotiation with two strikers or two midfielders at the same time because they they need something and they can't really put their eggs in one basket, especially yeah. if somebody else is going for that particular player. And there's a lot of football clubs in the Premier League right now are all in the same boat, really. I mean, you can. You know, there's not many points, so there's a few more now between sort of eighth, ninth, down all the way down to, you know, nineteenth. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, let's not mention twentieth. The um, so can you, can you talk me through your kind of weirdest experience of uh, of, of of this? Is, is there any stories that you kind of regard? Obviously, you might not want to mention names, but I don't know. I guess the, the example that people would always use is. Uh, you get the, the, this kind of folklore of, a, of a, an agent who goes in and represents a player who's going in and asking for 16 grand a week and the chairman comes out and says, I'm not going to pay you any less than 40 grand a week. And I'm not necessarily saying that, but can, can you think of any, are, are there any stories you think you'll tell your kids about being a football agent that, 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 that might kind of surprise them? I think that, you know, I think it's a lot more professional now than it used to be. I've, uh, you know, I've been in, I've been at football clubs where literally, you know, in the last three hours, they've started to panic and it's almost throwing names at the wall and you're ringing around trying to get anybody in because they need bodies that's not healthy and you no. just sit there thinking but I I guess the the thing that really disturbs me when I sit down there because we're all well I'd like to think we all love the game we all want the game to, to flourish we don't want the game to because of finance to end up going the wrong way sitting down with well known chairman of football clubs who've been relegator of Premier League talking to you as they're doing a championship negotiation saying well you know the previous manager left us in a mess here because he didn't put a relegation clause in for players salary and he's left us in this big budget and I don't know how we're going to cope and we can only pay your player this much etc etc and and getting in the car they're not pulling a relegation clause in front of championship to League One as we know looking history shows us with clubs like Leicester City and probably some this yeah. year and Birmingham City maybe you know that happens. So yeah. why do you, why do people automatically think that they're not going to get relegated again? So they don't protect. They they repeat the errors, and I think that's, I think it's the foolishness. Say foolishness. It's the fact, the arrogance maybe that people think that they're not going to, that, that bad times don't come around. Yeah, and they do. The, uh, the I, I suppose, and I suppose against the backdrop of this again that, that, that I talked before about you're the uh, you're probably the more professional side of football agents, and there probably is, you know whatever the latest version of Eric Hall is the other side. That, that sounds to me to, to still be a, um, an environment that's kind of ripe for, um, to be taken advantage of, really. Is it regulated, right? Do you see things that you wish you didn't see from agents' perspective? I think sometimes you sit there and you look at things and you think, that doesn't, that doesn't, that's not right. You know, sometimes you would question why certain deals happen. But also, I, I've generally sat there wanting a club to put a clause in to protect themselves. Oh, really? I've generally sat, but obviously, you know, at the end of the day, I'm there for my client. I'm not there for the. But you sit there thinking, you know, you're repeating the mistakes you've made a thousand times before. Why aren't you going to protect yourself? I've done deals with football clubs. You know, it's like doing a deal with a football club who are in the second boss of the Premier League on the last day of the window who don't put a relegation clause into <laughs> yeah. the players on his Premier League wage next season. And you can't think, well, why would you do that? 
it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes, you know, that's the, the. Sometimes there were reasons for that. It could be that they desperately in this player. They think he's going to keep them up, and he won't take it. So therefore, that's fine. But, but I've actually warned the player that this will have to be put into the contract, and we can't argue with this. They've not done it, and, I've, and the players walked out as amazed as me. Have you ever done, coming back to that question? Have Have you ever warned a player like you're going to go in here and you're going to earn X, and they've, they've ended up earning more than you've told them? Yes. Really? Yes, I, I think that's that's uh, you know that that's probably foolish of me to admit to that because you want to think that you're going to get the absolute maximum for your player and you try to do that. But I think we've worked this industry long enough and do enough deals in this industry to know what people are paying yeah. and what people get paid. Yes, so yeah. you, you, that's what you that's what that's what you paid for your experience of knowing that they're going to go into that dressing room and they're not going to be the poorest poorest person in the dressing room because yeah. you wouldn't keep your players then, would you, or get any others? Yeah. But sometimes, you know, people do pay more than you think they need to. Has financial fair play changed anything about what you do? Not really, no. No? It should do, but it hasn't. Do you, do you think it will? Well, every, I mean, there's a, I think there's probably, what, two or three football clubs still going through the process, aren't they, in terms of appealing fines and yeah. penalties. I think Queen's Park Rangers, and it hasn't resolved itself yet. And I think until we see somebody really suffer, then people probably continue to... Everybody wants to dream... And not just the fans, but the ownerships as well. So people are going to want to invest to try and be successful. Yes. What they shouldn't do is is to put the club at risk, to uh, because then the community and the fans suffer. Yes, and that certainly happens. What? So what are the most common reasons for a deal to break down? What? Uh, well, obviously, medicals are always the biggest concern. You know, because yeah. obviously you don't play as many games as you play now without having some niggles, and yes. sometimes you know, some the medicals have become much more professional take a lot longer you know and that's always a nervous time if you've done you've done all the hard work you've told the club you want to leave they fail the medical and you have to go back that's not good um how much hard work can that be incidentally how, what's the most time you've ever spent tra- transferring a player you have cumulative hours oh, well, uh, look it can take it can take months it can take months and, and sometimes you can hold out for weeks and weeks and weeks over a clause that you never get anywhere um yeah, I mean, Nicola Cortese at Southampton, when we did the um, Jay Rodriguez deal, we had, all, we had, I mean, we had 14, 15 clubs wanting Jay then. He scored 20 old goals for Burnley in the Championship. And yeah. He was hot property. That was, that was a tough deal to do. That went on for hours and hours and hours, day after day. It felt like Groundhog Day. You know, <laughs> and it was mainly over little clauses. Um, and it was, it was difficult. No deal straightforward. It's very rarely do you get everything. I mean, you'll never get everything you want, do you? No, you're under duty to get the best deal you can for your client because the reality is, at some stage, that's going to come back and bite you if you don't ask for something, you don't push for it, you're you don't get it. To for the, it. Yeah, you're accountable. Yeah. So you mentioned little clauses. So, 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 so there's clauses people know. There's relegation clauses. Yeah. What are the type of clauses? Are? Well, I've had a, a situation where you know, for a well-known striker who's moved around, seemed to move every year, going to a Premier League club where he wanted a loan clause that if he wasn't playing. Because the manager at the time, who's now fighting for promotion for another club at the top of the championship, was well known for churning strikers over, <laughs> and he'd been well warned that uh, you know this particular manager liked to carry four or five strikers. The last thing he wanted to do was do a seven-figure move from a club he was happy at to to play for this manager and not play. Yeah. And so we 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 had a horrendous clause that if he didn't play a consecutive number of games. Or, or then you know didn't play again within a period of time that you could go out on loan or could be or could be sold, and that was that was difficult. Yeah. But, okay. You know Jack Butland from Birmingham City to Stoke City, the biggest 
the clause that took the most time for us at the time was a loan clause that he could continue to play. Oh, really? So the first thing we did was send him back to Birmingham City. Obviously, they've signed yes. the goalkeeper, he's gone back. And then, obviously, I think, you know, Stoke were absolutely fed up with me knocking on the door, getting him out on loan to Barnsley, Leeds, Derby County, all these clubs, because I wanted him to continue to play football yeah. and, to, and to learn. He's no point sitting on the bench. And we, it was well documented that Jack at the time didn't go to Chelsea and Southampton bid for him. But he didn't want to go somewhere. He thought he was just going to be sitting on the bench. You, uh, you asked me a bigger picture of that from Stoke City to Chelsea. Had you on yeah. the bench, then then left, went to Bournemouth. Jack wanted to play, and you know, I wouldn't want to be representing players who don't want to play football. That's that really is to his credit. I think there's a, I, th- I think a lot of Blues fans are going to be interested in what you do this summer in light of them. Um, in like salon fees and so on with jackets, so it, it, yeah. I think that's that, that's their yeah. budget. You've got right. your hands. It has been mentioned by the chief executive at Burger City the other week, by the way. <laughs> is that right? Ben, it has. <laughs> uh, yes, well, they'll be they'll be playing a lot of uh, a lot of interest in that. But again, Jack's another one. You know, he's not not, not once has he mentioned about wanting to leave. He's focusing on game to game. Yeah, and that's you know to his, his credit as well. Yeah, it is. He he comes across as a as a a really good bloke, really. Well, if you. If you start focusing on where you want to be next season and you're in you know, in March, then there's something wrong with your mentality. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So I had to put, let's say, one of the things that's, that, that's of interest to, uh, to, to, to people is, is when we kind of look at things, it's kind of getting under, the, under asking questions that people aren't, uh, that, that might not get asked in kind of, you know, a day in your life, which has been really interesting now. I guess another thing that people are often interested in is, all right, so I... Uh, how can I change my life? So, so, so let's say there's someone listening to this that wants to become a football agent. What's the next thing they should do? Um, it's a difficult one, really, because it's a lot easier. To, it's, it's easier now than it's ever been to be a football agent. You don't have to do the exams, which were quite difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, you don't, uh, you know, we still, all the my agents have done the exams, bar one, who's coming under the new system. And they're all insured. So we pay insurance to make sure that we could. But now all you have to do is pay £500 and not have a criminal record and you're registered intermediary, so it's the easiest job in the world to get into. Getting players and having people pick up the phone to you at yes. clubs is, is difficult, but you can become an agent tomorrow by just writing a cheque for £500 EFA and, and submitting the form and show you haven't got a criminal record. I don't think that's a good thing. I think the fact that they had to get a qualification and pass an examination and study to understand all, all the, the rules and regulations, the FA handbook... Uh, you know, younger players under the age of 24, obviously, when you, you've got to be able to understand the compensation and, and what, what people need to pay if you're going to try and take a player out. But what are you looking for? So, 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 so someone, you've got a job here, what, what, what are the, what, what, yeah, and, and you know, you want a relatively, you know, you want someone in their 20s to come and do it. What are you looking for? What, what, what background would you want them to have had? Well, I think they've got to understand, they've got to have a good personality, honesty, integrity, but obviously good interpersonal skills because. A lot of this is about negotiation, yeah. but you can't get to negotiate unless you can sell yourself. So when you're sitting down with a player and you're gonna put, he's going to put his career in your hands, I think it's important that you you give them confidence that you can do a better job than they can for themselves. Yeah. I mean, I had a big history in cricket, and you take a player like Stephen Fleming, the New Zealand captain, or John Crawley, well-educated people, good leaders who wanted to concentrate on the sport but they wanted someone who could go and negotiate their contracts and their commercial deals and they trusted them and you know they 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 were formidable characters yeah. very strong personalities and you know Jack Butland's very well educated very strong minded 
but he wants to concentrate on his game. Yeah. He wants someone else to take care of the rest of the stuff, and that's what we're here for, really. Yeah, yeah. So who are your favourite people to deal with in the game? I guess I'm not talking... Managers, managers, players, chairman and so on. Is is there anyone you've you've particularly enjoyed? I think you've got to be, um, you know, I'd be be wrong to say that I'm not a big fan of Peter Coates, the Stoke City chairman. I think he's got a long history of football. He's a very sensible and patient um, chairman, local, so he puts, you know, he loves the football club. And I think that, I think the fact that if he's got, you know, if anyone was to accuse him of anything, he's probably... too loyal I think that he gives people time yeah. I think that's important and I think that you know I think that people need someone that is not too high when things are going fantastic and not too low when things aren't going badly Yeah, which because that's what the fans are there for aren't they really we're yes. all fans at the end of the day yeah. we all have our peaks and troughs and it affects our mood on a Sunday morning and when we go into work on a Monday if the football club is not doing very well but at the end of the day you need someone at the top, that's probably can look at things rationally and have got the experience. So I think Peter's and and John Coates' son and Tony Scholes, if exactly, they stand out. Yeah, I think I can I could um, I can understand that. And have you got have you got a deal you're most proud of? Is there a thing that you is there an achievement in in being a football agent you've done yeah, yeah. that you'd look I back think that's well, I, There's a player called Louis Neal who uh, came through at Stoke City, Leicester City, then Stoke City, uh, went to Preston under Billy Davies um, to play. I think he had 90 games in the Championship for Preston. He was a footballer, probably not so suited to lower divisions. I remember Alan Irving, who's been at Everton, and I think Crystal Palace, a few. David Moyes' assistant for a number of clubs and was Preston and Sheffield Wednesday manager, saying he didn't think Lewis was suited to lower leagues. Uh, and it turned out not to be the case at that time. He had nine months out of football, but we kept working and working to, to find him a club. And we got him to Orlando City, to the season, then he went to DC United and won the winning goal and scored the winning goal in the cup foul in the MLS Cup, which was which was great really because obviously he'd had eight or nine months out of work and he got a young family and to to get him it was a very small deal. So it's almost like it, it, it's it's almost like a player who might have at some point been forced to go out of the game. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can imagine yeah, that being very nice. I mean, you know, I, mean, I think we made five thousand dollars out of that out of that uh, deal. Yeah, um, but it was one of the most rewarding. That's uh, nice. And then he had a, a career in the MLS. So I think that's nice. I think that you know, if we commit to somebody, we have to keep them in the game. We have to keep looking after them. Yeah, and that's that's why that's that's rewarding. I enjoyed doing the, the Jay Rodriguez deal to um, to West Bromwich Albion because uh, he was so happy with it. Obviously, it's not turned out the way anyone wanted it to, just because of league position. But, but he's playing football. But he's playing football, yeah. and he proved that he was fully fit, and he's put in the you know. And his, his stats show that he's one of the fittest players in the in the Premier League this year with his running and his sprinting. Okay, so thank you to Gary Meller for uh, for joining us this week and to Matt Kendrick for uh, for speaking to us earlier on. Um, we'll be back next week as ever with more. Um, try not to talk too much about the awful football we're watching and uh, and a little bit of escapism. In the meantime, if you want to get involved with our podcast, as I always say now, to uh, to find me on Twitter, Graham underscore Brown or. Um, Hit us up on email. This is a fan podcast. So you want you to get involved. Uh, in the meantime, thanks for thanks for joining us.